The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you all for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us, and it's thank you so much for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. Thank you for your emails and for participating, and thanks for letting me know what's happening for you in your recovery journey and your spirituality walk. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's wonderful to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And um, thank you for letting me know that what we're doing here, bringing you guests, fellow travelers on the journey is really making a difference for you that it's touching your heart that it's opening up some new ideas for you and giving you inspiration and we all need that on this uh, growth journey so every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth knowledgeable and innovative people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people sometimes all of the above and our guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking you can listen to us here on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live uh, via your computer, via your smartphone. You can go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. And we've got lots of great archives, so you can listen on demand. Go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery, and you can access uh, several years' worth of really wonderful programs. I want you to know also that if you like what's happening here on Spirit of Recovery and also and or any of the other great programs on Unity Online Radio, you can financially support this nonprofit radio station. You can um, simply go uh, text Unity Radio to 72727 and you can make a one-time financial contribution or you can set up recurring contributions. I want you to know that the Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, um, you're welcome. If you're a family member or friend of someone that's got the disease of addiction, you are welcome. Uh, perhaps as a family member, you may or may not be in your own recovery as a family member because, you know, there are recovery programs for family members and friends. You're welcome whether you are or are not in recovery. Maybe you're somebody that's just curious about recovery. You're interested in it. 
we're glad you're here. So everybody's welcome, and um, we are. You're welcome to participate in our discussions. You can email in a comment or question, or you can call in a comment or question for my guests on the topic of today, and we'd be glad to hear from you. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and also an addictions counselor. In addition, I am a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And 34 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of unity principles and recovery principles. And that walk transforms my life every day and keeps me growing. And so I am delighted and grateful to have the opportunity to share ideas with you about spirituality and recovery and to bring you great guests and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality walk and in your recovery walk. Today, I've got a guest who has been with us a couple of times before and he has a wonderful story and a wonderful um, recovery walk and a wonderful faith walk. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of recovery and my guest is Bob A., and, uh, you know, recovery is not an end, but it's really a beginning. And what happens for us when we open that door to recovery is that we're opening the door to spiritual growth, perhaps spiritual growth that we did not predict or expect. But it's always good. It calls us, of course, to face life and face what um, happens. And yet when we're in that spiritual growth path, what's happening in this very different from before is that we're meeting life with an attitude of gratitude, of grace, and openness. And so my guest, um, Bob A., has continued to experience the power of recovery in his life, and he was my guest about a year and a half ago here in May of 2014, so you can go back if you want to in the archives and hear what he shared then. And he shared with us an amazing journey um, about facing some big challenges in his life and um, how his long-term recovery really stood him in really good stead with that. And um, since that time, he's had some more adventures, and he's going to be sharing with uh, us about that And because he's got just an abundance of love and an abundance of faith, and that's how he meets life and comes out um, always expanded. Bob is a former colleague and a current friend of mine who, amongst other things, is a person in long-term recovery. He has a really big heart for helping other people, and he's always open to new adventures. He's very happy and very grateful, and he has a wonderful um, partner in his wife, Joanne, and together they really make a difference. So, Bob, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. the invitation to join you. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're here. And, um, you know, as I said, back in May of 2014, you were on here as a guest on Spirit of Recovery, and you were sharing with us about your um, recovery from a, a physical situation. Would you kind of tell us a little more about that? Because it was incredible. And, and then we'll go from there. So what you were celebrating a birthday that week that we had the program in May, and it was a birthday you thought you weren't going to live to see. Oh, you take me back, and I'd be glad to bring the audience up to date with that. For If yeah. there's anyone who heard it the first time, and I'll give you the Reader's Digest, because I could talk about that miracle all day long. Um, 2014, I came down with um, the flesh-eating bacteria, necrotizing fasciitis, and what had happened is that it hit me, it hit me hard, and they told Joanne to make end-of-life decisions for me and to call my family, and it wasn't looking too good. I spent uh, three and a half weeks in intensive care, and then they moved me down a, a couple of rooms where I stayed an, another three weeks. So I spent some time in the hospital, and it was basically a near-death experience. They wanted to remove my arm, and they rolled me into the operating room with the intent to do so, but... The, the, the bacteria jumped to the other side. And so the, the recovery side of that entire process or life experience was um, I was working an active recovery program prior to going into this. And when, when I was going through the process, I continued to work 
a recovery program, even though I was on massive doses of opiates, which is always problematic for people like me. But my sponsee was coming to see me every other day. My, so I was continuing to walk him through the 12 steps. And I, I, my sponsor came and visited me quite often, and he continued to to help me spiritually through that process. And, of course, Joanne was with me every step of the way. And so um, I met a couple times a week with the uh, pastor from our church. And um, the, the, within my recovery was actually as strong as it ever has been, which is strange to say because I was heavy, heavily sedated. With, with hard, large doses of opiates, but I don't think that I can call that being an active addiction because I only had the increase of tolerance, and um, I didn't lose control, which is interesting. Some of those other things that you learn in school that really identify somebody an active uh, addiction. So, mm-hmm. so it, it, in effect... Um, I'm convinced that the God of my understanding brought me through that, and he made my walk with him stronger. He connected me closer to the things that I believe are important to me and in life. And so I don't recommend anybody go through that to get that, but uh, if you have to, make the best out of it. So, so I think that's sort of a recap. Since then, um, I've stayed bacteria-free. I've stayed chemical-free. Um, though I will share something that that I'm excited about is the as as you know, Anna. I had hepatitis C for many years, and I, mm-hmm. I had been on the treatment three times when it was interferon, which is a form of chemotherapy, and it was just brutal, brutal treatment, and it didn't work. Um, since we last talked, I started the new uh, drug, Harvoni. I'd been off it for about half a year, and my blood labs came back again last week, and they tell me I'm cured. So, so, so I'm so excited about that, and so grateful, and and it just shows that if you're patient, that good things will happen in time if you let them. So. Thank you. That is good news. That is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, that I'd heard that there was a new treatment, and as you say, it it can bring a cure and for yeah. the Hep C. That is fabulous. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Is- and and since your program is is going out to people who had had probably active addiction, maybe some IV drug users out there, I just want to share to them that now a cure is possible with a treatment outcome probability of 99%. Very minimal side effects where before the side effects were brutal and the probability of a favorable outcome was about 60%. So if you haven't been tested, if you're an IV drug user, get tested. And once you get tested, you can go forward in your treatment knowing that it's a walk in the park compared to what was out there. So I send that out to my my former IV drug user buddies if they're out there. Great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bob, because that does make a difference. And I know what you're saying is sometimes um, people uh, are, and they were in the past, were reluctant to get tested. It was sort of like if I don't look at what might might be, I don't have to deal with it. But but this is good. This is encouragement. And because you well, said there's big hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I've talked to you about this before, Anna. I don't think... I don't think God, as I understand him, he's not the one who gets me sick. I think that's something apart. God God wants me healed. God wants me to do good work. But he can take something like that 
and, and this recent thing with the necrotizing fasciitis, and he can take something tragic or, or just hard, and he can bring something good out of everything. And with the hepatitis C, C thing, uh, I think you re- I think you remember Dr. Hoisington at Hazleton's Graduate School. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I and Bruce Larson had put together a Hep C program in Hazleton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I've also been able to go and work uh, one-to-one with people clinically to help them through that process even after moving to Philadelphia. And I'm convinced that we don't get brought through those things to not do anything with that experience, that, that we were brought through those things to be a blessing to other people. And that's where I get a lot of my peace and joy from these days by taking those things, especially with my recovery. But we are brought through so many different things in life that we can just be blessings to people by putting ourselves in a place of love and helping others. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I really like that because it really is, it changes everything, doesn't it, Bob? It's like from, you know, of course we have feelings when bad things happen and or difficult things, but it, it switches it around when you see it like that, that there's some way I can use this instead of just being like, oh, no, why did this happen to me? And, and that's mm-hmm. the end of it. But it changes right. everything, doesn't it? It, it? it absolutely has. And so I'm doing, uh, I'm doing some volunteering. I have my professional world, and you know I do that for a living. I believe in what I do professionally, but but on the side, um, and and it's usually as a volunteer, I get to work with people in recovery and underfunded uh, uh, treatment centers, where I take that twelve-step message and some of the other skills we learn at school, and I'm able to bring that to the guys at um, this. Uh, we have program in a really tough part of town here in Philadelphia, and so I mean, I was brought through that to do that. My wife and I volunteer in some other things too, hunger relief. We we do things. You see, you've seen it all on my Facebook, so you know we're kind of crazy, and we like to volunteer <laughs> uh, doing things that might, other people might go. I don't want to do that, but but it. Other people don't want to do it for some reason. We seem to want to. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good. So, when you're um, volunteering there at that treatment center, you said that um, is in a maybe a pretty challenged part of town. Uh-huh. What do you What do you notice uh, touches people the most there when you go to volunteer? Mm. What touches them? Well, the people that we serve and support. There are people who have chronic um, unemployment. They're usually homeless and their scholarship for anywhere from 9 to 12 months of treatment at a very low frills, no horns and horns, bells and whistles treatment center. And what they really respond to is people coming from a place of authenticity and love. And and one of the things we learned at school, Anna, was that the most important thing to helping people is to develop a therapeutic alliance and a, a significant amount of trust between the person you're you're there to help and the person who's there to get help. And so, there's been research that that is the number one uh, consideration if we're going to be doing that work to be authentic, to be real, and if you can't do that, I think the business will flush you out pretty fast, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. but they also respond to that basic 12-step message. They yeah. also respond to what Joanne um, also uh, volunteers with me there, and she brings the whole experiential part of it where I tend to stay in my head and I'll do lectures and, and I'll talk about the the basic Joe and Charlie approach to recovery that I learned it from, I think you uh, remember Fred Holmquist, my yes. teacher, mm-hmm. and 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 but Joanne will bring bring them in experientially with things that they have to participate. They need to get up. They they may do some improv on he, recovery and humor, and they really respond to 
not just listening to Bob Ackley going blah, blah, blah. So uh, Joanne and I have a fun time doing it, and they tell us that it's helpful. So we're going to keep going back. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. So you said, Bob, that going through your experience um, with the the necrotic fasciitis and, and so forth, that it brought you into more contact with what's really important to you. Tell us a little bit about that. What's your, what did you find out that's more important to you? Well, well I found out to do, to do one thing. First thing when I get up in the morning, I thank God for waking me up, number one. We so much take that for granted. And sometimes I do throughout the day, but every morning I thank you, God, for waking me up. Number two, I thank him for waking me up sober um, and not waking me up in a gutter after I've done bad things the night before. And number three, he wakes me up next to Joanne Molitor every day. I, I, I mean, anything above that is gravy. So mm-hmm. so I've that's been a primary thing I've done since then that is different. So I do those three things. The other thing that I brought out of that is is that I ask myself the question more often, is what I'm doing today worth spending a day of my life on doing it? Because our time here on earth is, is very short. As, as I say, it's a blink of the eye. And is what I'm doing today, is, is it meaningful or is it purpose, uh, uh, purposeless? I guess, and though, though, trust me, I can get off on purposelessness very fast because I still suffer with that problem of self-centeredness sometimes. But, but is what I'm doing making a difference? And I told you before that I wasn't brought through that experience not to help others. And so, so that's what I've learned. The other thing that's happened, and now, you know, I'm pretty honest with you and your audience. Sure. During, as when I was really sick, they told Joanne that if I lived, I might spend the rest of my life in a nursing home because I'd have cognitive impairment um, to the degree that I'd be very low-functioning in terms of my ability. And so I I can tell a significant difference in my thought, and, and, and I've slowed down intellectually. Not that I was a racehorse before, but I've slowed down, and and you know what? I'm okay with that because considering the alternative, I'm doing all right. But I have noticed that that I I, I can't think as fast or I can't think as deep as maybe I used to, um, and that brought me into another arena. I work at a place that serves people with intellectual disability now, and so I connect with people who are at where I could have been on a daily basis. I go to the cottages on my breaks to just say hi to our clients and to tell them they're looking good and to shake their hands and tell them, ask them if somebody's told them that they love them today and to hug them. And so I ended up in this place serving people that have intellectual disability disorder when before there was no risk for me to have it. Then I was at risk. Now I'm at a place called Elwyn in Media, Pennsylvania. So go figure it. That is not a coincidence. No, it's not. You're amazing. It's time for our first break. Um, thank you, Bob, for all your sharing. The topic today is the power of recovery. My guest is Bob A., and he is talking to us about how it really does work, and he's a living example. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, 
then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and if you're just joining us, our topic today is the power of recovery. And my guest is Bob A., and we're talking about um, how it is that recovery is a beginning, and it opens the door to spiritual growth. Life happens. we got challenges. Um, Bob is a person in long-term recovery, and he um, has faced and does face challenges but he faces it from the place of spirit and he uses everything that happens in his life as an opportunity for himself to grow spiritually and then he turns right around and shares that with other people that he um has shared uh that have a similar challenge than him and and that's what recovery is all about he's always open into new adventures and always with his big heart um doing good for folks. So before I get back to my conversation with Bob, I invite you to join me for the Serenity Minute for a moment to relax, to open up, and make that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it. So I invite you to relax, to be aware of your breath, to feel relaxation as it moves all the way through your body temple, to notice your breath, and to share with me this constructive idea. I'm grateful for my life. I am fulfilling my spiritual purpose. I am grateful for my life. I am fulfilling my spiritual purpose. And we take a moment now in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that it was an opportunity for you to relax and open up your mind and heart and make that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it. 
So now I'm back to my conversation with Bob A., and we're talking about the power of recovery. So, um, Bob, you were telling us before the break how you were, when you had your uh, experience a year and a half ago, or really two years ago, I guess, in a way, with with your physical challenge that um, <clears throat> you felt like your uh, cognitive slowed down a little bit, but you're still certainly obviously still out there doing lots of good, still thinking very clearly. But you got the opportunity to work um, with fundraising and marketing uh, with an organization that serves people and with intellectual uh Impairment, and so it's it's so cool because you have a little bit of an understanding of what the for you there was a risk that you might have lost your intellectual capacity, and so you have a heart I think for how what life may be like for people that have that challenge. So how does that call you into service with them and for that organization? Well. It's an interesting story how I got hired. I wasn't looking for a job. I really liked the job I was in, and I was called by a recruiter um, about a job, and I said, not really interested, and she persuaded me to, to have an interview with her at a coffee shop. And so I was not uh, dateless and desperate when it came to work, so I was just Bob Ackley like I am on the radio with you today. So this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. So that went okay, and then she called me back. I'd like to interview again. I said, well, I don't know if I'm interested. She talked me into it. So she, for, she said that the hiring uh, board members of this organization wanted to interview me, and, and she asked if I ever heard of a company called Elwin. And I said, well, yes, I have. My, my uh, wife has worked there for a couple years, and um, I have a client of Ellen's in my home where I'm doing life sharing as we speak, and I volunteered for their softball games as an umpire when they have a fundraiser, and I'm also their volunteer photographer at their holiday party. So, Anna, there are no coincidences. No, there aren't. And I was not looking for them. They came out, and, and, and this was put in front of me, and I think that they're – the hand of God was in that, and, and and so that's why I even went with the job. But but um, that's how I ended up there. I'm going to tell you a little story about Andy. She's my girlfriend. I'm married, and and I have a girlfriend on the side. Her name's Andy. I'll tell you the story. Okay. I started working at Elwin in January, and I walked in the back door of a large building. And there's a sliding glass door where people are lined up in their wheelchairs. They're very medically fragile, and a lot of them are nonverbal, and they're going out for their, Ellen brings them out in the community every day. And so I walk in, and I do the Bob Ackley thing. You know how I am. I'll stop and say, hi, how are you doing? Nice hair. Where'd you get that jacket? Nice hat. And I'll talk to him, and I'll say, how are you doing? And so I did this and there was this one woman, I found out her name was Andy. She wouldn't give me any eye contact. She didn't respond where everybody else at least gave me some response. And I always wondered what was going on in there. What, is she able to even think? Is she hearing me? What is, what's going on? Is there anything in there? Because you don't know because she's nonverbal. And she wasn't making eye contact. And so one day in May, I'm walking in the back door. And I look in, I was about maybe 20 feet away from the uh, these sliding glass doors, and there's Andy waving her hand at me like, like she was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. She was waving like it was no tomorrow. And I walked in, and I looked, and I said, hi. And she reached out her hand to me, Anna. And I took her hand, and she pulled me in, and she hugged me for about 15 seconds. And she kissed me on the cheek. And I started to pull back, and she she pulled me back in, and she did it again. And it was that day that I got the gift of Andy. Um, she let me into her world in, in a way that was so profoundly um, it, it affected me in a, one of the strongest ways I've ever been affected because I wasn't sure what was in there, but since then, she's let me be part of a world. And, and so 
I went home that night and I told Joanne, I said, Joanne, I got a new girlfriend. (laughs) And she she said, tell me about that. (laughs) And so I told her about Andy. And so that's the type of thing that I'm doing today that I may not have even considered or been willing to do um, in some of my previous years. So... So that's my story about Andy I wanted to share with you and your audience. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's like, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, one of the things you're saying about you you through the challenge of your illness and so forth, you found out what was really more important to you. And it sounds like that, like, like you're really, you've always been in your heart, but that you really are kind of, there like that what really matters is connecting from the heart and like you said being involved in people's worlds Mm -hmm. absolutely if my work brings me in contact with people um of prominence and means they're wealthy and a lot of wealth there's enough of them that are you would recognize their name and i connect with them professionally because you're fundraising right and exactly Uh and so but that that connection with Andy, to me, is priceless, where my connection with those other people who want to help others through their philanthropy, that's good and fine and dandies. But, but these days, I look at a, they're both important, but my relationship with Andy is one of the most important relationships with me right now in my life. Go figure. If you would have known me, Anna, back in the day, when I was in a street, I was a street person sleeping in abandoned apartment buildings. I had a gun. I was holding people up on the street. I, I was shooting dope. I was doing bad things to good people. And, and my my story is a very checkered one from back in the day. And, and it's just you would have never in a million years thought that God could have made this possible in that guy's life who 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 was back in the day. And I sometimes pinch myself and I go, is this, what is this? Who was I? Who am I? But I had to be him to get to be where I'm at today because God brought me through it. Mm-hmm. Tell, mm-hmm. tell us some more about that. How is it that you had to be that person to get to be this person? Well, you know what? I've had to reconcile that through my recovery process because I always... I I was ashamed of him. Um, I was so ashamed of what I did in my early life, and I had a lot of trauma back then, and trauma and shame typically go hand in hand. We know that both mm-hmm. professionally, and I know it personally. And so I compartmentalized all that stuff, and it took me some therapy, and it took me some really hard work doing trauma to reconcile the Bob Ackley, the man who I want to be and the man who I, who, who I can be, versus that Bob Ackley of the past, who, who quite frankly, you wouldn't have wanted to know. But I've been able to reconcile that that was who I, that was me. And, 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 and I came through that journey not because I wanted to. I, there was a lot of situational things involved. I made poor decisions. Other people around me made really bad decisions. And so I've been able to reconcile that so today I can have peace about it. I, I'm not living from a shame base um, where um, it, which is a risk factor for relapse for me if I operate out of a, a place of shame and, and no goodness. And so the important part of my recovery has been to reconcile that that Bob Ackley of the past. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It really does, yeah. you know, because like you're saying, the shame can be painful and shame can come both from both things, both things that were done to, to us um, yep. and and things that maybe we've done it can come from yep. both places and it's the same sh- shame in a sense and the same pain you're right because some the addiction can show up as a way to try to mask it or so it can be a part of it is that what you mean mm-hmm. by a, rel- a relapse risk exactly uh, because if i 
when I didn't reconcile it, it, it always had some power over me. And, and until I reconciled it, it was affecting the way that I saw life, the filter that I saw life through. And interesting enough, I, I did some trauma work down in Nashville with somebody who, who was really good. She's nationally known, and she was really good. And I followed up with somebody up in Minneapolis when I lived up there afterwards. And it's hard work. It's painful, but 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 the freedom I've had since then um, has been profound. Yet sometimes I can get back into that, and and I'm thank God I have a twelve step recovery program where I can continue to take personal inventory, and that's one of the things that I check. I check my pride and my shame as well as my selfishness, fear resentment and dishonesty and through that step 10 11 and 12 process i'm able to maintain that level of spiritual fitness that gives me my daily reprieve from that obsession of the mind that takes many alcoholics and addicts out of their recovery and and so i need to spot check my shame and when i'm unable to do it because my, sometimes i'm the person least able to accurately assess how I'm doing, I've surrounded myself with people who will spot that in me, and, and they can tell me about that. And and I'm not defensive. I, I say, oh, I, I didn't know I was doing this or that. So, does it make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It really, really yeah. does. It's, it's time for our second break. So, um, we're going to uh, take a break here on Spirit of Recovery, but we'll be back. So stay with us, and we're talking about the power of recovery. My guest is Bob A. Stay with us. We'll be right back. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, the topic today is the power of recovery, and my guest is Bob A., and we're talking about how uh, recovery really is a continuing journey of spiritual growth and development, and that life happens, but what's different uh, than with before recovery or without recovery is that we're meeting it with an attitude of faith and grace and love and knowing that we're learning something and it's all for a purpose that we're going forward so we can be of help to ourselves and to others so um bob before the break you were talking to us about how you had uh done some trauma work that you'd had trauma in your life and how when you work yourself uh do that work and keep on top of um not letting the shame take over that you really um find your spiritual uh depth growing so it's it's true, you know. Sometimes we we think, oh, we oh, I can just kind of not have to deal with things or whatever. But if we've got that shame going on, it it kind of keeps us from knowing that we're spiritual. It keeps us from knowing that we're God's child. So, how'd that work for you? Well, that's a, that, that's a lovely question. And like I said, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, with with some of the trauma and the messages that I received when I was a kid, combined with some of the things that I did as a result of um, as a result of some of the survival skills that kept me alive but later didn't work for me in life, I did things that left me with a sense that I knew that I was really no good that 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 I was a bad human being and, and, and I would stay bad and that I basically had, had no worth. In fact, I knew that I was, um, bad. I, I, no good. And when you have that and you live that, with that sense of spirit in your heart for a long time, no matter what you do to enhance your spiritual walk, if you, if that's still in there, I don't think you can have peace, you can't have joy, and it's hard to do righteous living when you have that going on. And it is, it's crippling. And I ran from dealing with it for years. And it was, I mean, I could put on the, I functioned, I, I, tried connecting with people speaking of shame when you're loaded up with shame and you come from a place of shame your connections that with other places people's things that are important to you or that you value are not strong connection that it shame prevents those connections from being what they can be and it was only through working through some of that trauma and finally understanding that I am still that spirit person that God created, which is good. I believe God made me in his his image. And if he made me in his image, and if he loved me all the way through that process, that I'm still in his image, though I certainly didn't act it, but today I am 100% positive that I have God's sense of goodness inside of me. It did change. I didn't get better than anybody. I didn't get any worse than anybody. And that I have unconditional, unsurpassable worth as a kingdom child of God. And, and I wouldn't have been able to say that without doing the trauma and the shame work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yep, I do know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot of difference because if you have that internal sense that, for again, there can be many, many reasons why we might have that, but if you have that experience of, your, if you think that's if you're not any good, you're going to push everything away. You're uh-huh. not going to, yeah, you're not going to make those connections because you can't. Cause and you know what's off. interesting, Anna, is is that once you work through that shame and trauma and during that process you have to become very vulnerable with people who love you and care about you and are trying to help you walk through that process 
you really take that risk of being vulnerable and when you are shame based being vulnerable is one of the scariest things you can go through and it's only through that vulnerability that you're able to to find power of the knowledge that you are good at the core level in spite of some of the behavioral stuff and the messages that you had received in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Truth. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's almost like, well, I'll, this is one way I think of it, and you can tell me if, if how you see it or not, but it's almost like in the past through trauma experiences, again, whether stuff done to us or stuff we did or both, it's like it breaks the bridge between people. Like it breaks the interpersonal bridge. And to oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting? What I've learned is through my faith, I I have my own faith, my own higher power, and that's God. But God, I think, created people to be in connection with him. He wants to be in relationship. That's that's why he made it. He wanted to share his love with, with something. He didn't want to be alone out there. And so he created us to have connection, not only with him, but with with one another and to things that are in the, not only the spirit world, but in uh, uh, the temporal world, those things that are good, the things that he blesses us with, whether it's persons, places, or things. And so that changes, disconnects you from, from what our intended purpose is, and that's to be in connection and to experience love. And for me, to dance in that uh, triune God of love that's of my faith. And when you can't do that because of your shame, you're missing out on it. You can't dance. You lose your fluidity um, when it comes to God. And that was a big chunk of me that was missing in earlier parts of my recovery. Mm-hmm. What was the catalyst that got you to deal with it? Because it's painful to go back. It's pain, like you... pain, 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 pain. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you remember a woman named uh, Lisa Reynolds. She taught me once that that what the heck was it that she didn't get into recovery and look for God because of a spiritual enlightenment. She did so because of the heat of the fire, and it was only the heat of the fire that drove me to a point of being able to understand that I am powerless and that if I didn't deal with that through the help of other people and God, that it was going to take me out. And that I, when I'm in pain, it's funny how I can listen better mm-hmm. when I say my way is not working. And that maybe I need to do it somebody else's way because I'm miserable. And and it, it's strictly pain, not because I became enlightened one day while I was walking up to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was because of the pain from lack, uh, not experiencing uh, joy and peace and righteous living. I guess you could say. Right. Yeah, so it's like even after the initial pain of, you know, whatever gets a person into the initial recovery, it still happens. I mean, that's what's important for all of us to know is that in recovery, stuff's going to come up, and we got to face that, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but it's all good. Um, it's not good when you're going through it, that's for sure. And I don't want to sound like a victim here. I said, oh, I experienced trauma. Oh, I felt ashamed. Well, I have to tell you that that I learned how to do things in a pretty um, scary way when I was younger. And I'm a person who caused a lot of pain. I'm a person who co- who, who may have caused a lot of trauma. So, so I don't want to come off as a victim because sometimes, quite frankly, I was the perp. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, that, that I'm not proud of that. It's reality, and I've been able to reconcile it through what through the 12 step program. I've been able to go and make uh, direct amends where I could do so um, as part of working steps eight and nine. And so, thank goodness, we have a recovery program that allows us to go back and repair and try to. Um, fix wherever possible some of the harm that we caused. 
to bring this right. back to recovery. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Because that, you know, I just think about it that the whole idea of spirituality, as you said earlier, it just creates lives out of places where it seemed like everything was death. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's absolutely mm-hmm. astonishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I talked back earlier about these are just things that are coming to mind and getting ADHD here. That this this whole tragedy that happened out in California recently and what happened in Paris, I, I it's easy for us to sit back and go, where's God in that situation? What what is he or she thinking? Where if this all powerful God is letting this happen, what's going on there? And I've come to the point where I, I've understand that God's not doing that mm-hmm. and that the reason why that's happening is because people are misaligning their will with God and their intended purpose in life and that's to love and because there are dark forces in this world on a spiritual level as there's uh, positive spiritual things and, and uh, good spiritual things at, out there, there's there's a dark force that gets in people's hearts, and it usually is those spiritual opposites of the principles we try to live by. It's it's about fear, it's about resentment, it's about hate, it's about uh, mistrust. It's all those things that we try to resolve with our spiritual programs. But I know that God is taking that bad situation, and I know Anna that He's going to take that. That, that horrible situation, and he is going to turn more good into it than the evil that was that that took place in those situations. And yeah. that's a powerful that's a powerful statement that we can only make on faith. That I can only make on faith. Of course, I didn't lose a loved one, and and I'm not experiencing that horribleness. But I know from my own personal experience that that God can take anything and turn it into something good. So I will say that God's right in the middle of what's going on out there, and and that that He's going. I have faith that He's going to turn it into good things somehow. Yeah. But thank I, you. But Go I, ahead. But I but I first ask God, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Why? And and um, I just have to go back to it that it's not God doing it. He gave us all free will. And some of the free will agents in this world, including me in the past, use that free will to make very, um, what we could call, evil decisions and evil actions. So, so God is in those things. He's, he's fixing it. Right. It's, our time is, is up here, but thank you for, and thank you for that, Bob. And I know, you know, I've, um, as a person in recovery, as this recovery process, I, I, it's true. What we know is that it doesn't matter how bad it's been and doesn't mean we don't pretend like it didn't hurt because it did hurt. But no matter how bad it's been, good can come out of it. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. Good's coming out of this. I'm holding that. Well, holding that. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob, thanks for being my guest. It's always a joy to talk to you. Thank you for your big heart and for the work that you do in this world. And uh, we're blessed. Thanks for being who you are. Hey, it's good to be on your show. Thank you. And and I just want to wish everybody out there the best holiday season, no matter how you celebrate it. This is a time of, of the season that we think of grace and love and gifts. So so go out there and enjoy. Amen. And everybody, thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery. I'm really glad that you've joined us today. And uh, have a blessed week, and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you or someone you love has ever failed at anything, remember, accomplishments are often built on successful failures. Our greatest heroes have survived setbacks and losses of some kind. What makes them heroic is their capacity to have compassion for themselves, to know when to reach out for help, and to always, always start again. We learn to do something by first believing and then by doing it. In Unity, we celebrate the spiritual gift of strength given to us by our Creator. There is an unlimited amount of strength and courage available to you now. Trust it and expand your life. The result will be positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson, we will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.